Welcome to the St. Louis Death House. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. Balmy even. I think that might be my heater, uh, which is an external heater. It's not my home heater. I don't have a heater. It's cold for a lot my, of other people, yeah. uh, but it's warm here in Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, I don't have central heat, let's be honest. Yeah. So it's... You know what I was thinking? Uh, I was going to thinking about, um, I was wondering because tax season's coming up. Can I claim my two space heaters as dependents? <laughs> can I do that? Yeah. Okay. I uh, can write them off. Yeah. Yeah. Put a two down in the tax. They're form. also my two closest friends <laughs> right oh, wow. now. Yeah. It's weird because they're like so hot and cold. Yeah. Oh, so God, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Oh, Jesus. Well. Anyway, I was saying that because I experienced snow this weekend, which I haven't in a really long time because I'm from Wisconsin and I don't often go back when it's super cold. But I was in St. Louis last weekend visiting two of my closest college friends. And it was snowing. It was beautiful. And I was like, I could do this. And then, of course, 15 minutes later, I was like, get me out of this white hellhole. Yeah. You know? And so, anyway. What was the trip about? Uh, to visit them. They have, they have small children now. Okay. So I went and I uh, hugged their kids and I kissed their kids and their kids struggled to get away from me. And then we did other stuff like go see cool St. Louis history things like the episode today, the Lemp Mansion. Yeah. Well, you posted no, about it. So I we got very intrigued. Yeah. I had no idea. I visited there a bunch of times to visit my friends. But um, one of my friends was like, we have to go here. You have this. I feel like when, when I the podcast has been happening, people are more now able to. They, they want to give us things to see and do yeah. more so than before. Even though, before I was just like a creepy weirdo. Now I'm a creepy weirdo with a podcast. So there's some structure to your weirdness. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we, you need to. It's like when your parents like, oh, I got I got a, a, something for your, your comedy bit. Yeah. Is something you should do for your comedy. Yeah. Bit. Now they only exclusively pitch things we should cover. Yeah. Which are, I'm like, they're not haunted. They're not abandoned. They don't have any history. It's like yeah. a garage. I don't. It's like there's a car in there. Yeah. There's no history to that. Um, yeah, so it was very fun. It was very cold. A lot of children running around. One of my friends started her own distillery, though, which is oh, very cool, called very... Ar- Arcana Brewing. Oh, old-timey. Right. And that ties into this episode, right? It does, because St. Louis is a big brewer's town, um, as much as Milwaukee is where I'm from, because there are these underground caves all over, and the caves are the perfect temperature for lager. So oh. people would brew in these caves all over the all over Missouri and get this perfect beer, this German lager. Isn't oh, that crazy? Yeah. Well, uh, I've, uh, we've done, I have and we have done some uh, guessing on some podcasts. Mm-hmm. I want to get that out there. Yeah. Uh, I was on one called Dark Five, which uh, my friend Rachel Evans does. Uh, she's part of like the Snarled World, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, great podcasts and shows. And we talk about, uh, we talk about uh, five of, I can't pick favorites, but five episodes we did on Ghost Town in mm-hmm. that was surrounded by Los Angeles. Yeah. So we talked about that. So make sure to check out Dark Five. She has some great guests. Uh, she had the dude from Last Podcast on the Left mm-hmm. on as a recent episode. Uh, but I'm on there. We're talking about Ghost Town. So check that out. She's great. And then we also did another podcast. Yeah, we did. Um, everything Reviewed. Everything Reviewed, yeah. Everything was reviewed-ish. Yeah, Adjacent we, to yeah. review. 
Uh, that was super fun. Yeah. Um, we covered a lot of stuff, a lot of ghostly stuff. We did. We covered a lot of territory about our lives, about mm. the art form of stand-up, about improv, about L.A. If you want to get to know us or get to know these guys, yeah. please check it out. It was very fun. Yeah, so Dark Five and Everything Reviewed, we, mm-hmm. we highly recommend both of them. But Absolutely. don't stop listening to this episode. Please don't. And in fact, this episode, I forgot to mention to Jason before we started recording this, I have some uh, audio interview. Why don't we listen to it right now? Ooh. Let's do it. Like one to four. Oh, yeah. How she uh, said one of those lights had turned on on their own. Yeah. Well. In the nursery? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, when I, a few years back, uh, you ladies are free to look upstairs if you want to. Also, we just asked to use the front stairs. Uh, in the upstairs room right above us, it's known as the Charles room. It's kind of like a room where the B&Bs kind of gather. We actually yeah. had some guests uh, about four years ago. They were staying in the room, uh, staying the night in there, and they had woken up at about three in the morning to hearing the uh, piano in the room playing on its own. Ugh. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So. so it's like in the middle of the night. In the night. So you guys are okay. It's uh, it's working hours. Yeah. You guys yeah. have never experienced anything. Um, I've had subtle things, kind of like I swear I have my name being called when I'm setting up in the morning. I swear. Ugh. Like our waiters are uh, waiters. They'll wear suit jackets. Like I thought I'd seen one of them one morning when I was yeah. setting up. Uh, I had the uh, glass candle holder right there on that mantle one yeah. night during dinner when we were cleaning up at around 10, 30, 11. Came crashing down in the middle of the floor and broke. Um, wow. Yeah, kind of get yeah, a few things here. That's and a few things. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It's not nothing. Yeah. At first, yeah, you kind of fairly new. Yeah. At first, you're kind of scared of it, but I've been working here now for about. Three years-ish. I'm kind of used to it. You just kind of walk by and keep going. Oh, How about that? Huh? I like that. Yeah, so we went there for lunch, and I talked to some people there, um, and they experienced hauntings a lot if they're there late. Like, you got to be there late, like yeah. many hauntings. Um, but it's interesting. You know, like, that's your reality if you are wait staff or staff at this bed and, be- and breakfast. That's what the Lem mentioned is now. It's not technically abandoned. It's a bed and breakfast. In fact, my friend who uh, told me about it, she... Uh, was a part of a St. Louis history class in high school. And if you stayed overnight in the Lent Mansion, you got an automatic A. Oh, wow. Isn't that, so it's That's haunting. like a really good idea for like a movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a very, a I know, movie. it's a good it's premise. Like, can you, uh, she didn't do it though. She So she wanted to work for the A? Yeah, she wanted to work for the A. Uh, uh, I would have done it. I would have done it twice. Yeah. Two A's? Can I get yeah. a super A? I would have done it if you gave me an F. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, uh, yeah. And it's very, it is very, very creepy. And we'll talk about it as we go through some of the yeah, history. Yeah. Um, my experiences, we have a lot of pictures we're going to put up. Um, but the Lent Mansion, it's said to be one of the 10 most haunted places in America. Um, it's in St. Louis, Missouri, and hosts the tragic Lemp family. Over the years, the mansion was transformed from the stately home of millionaires to office space to a rundown boarding house, finally restored back to its, its current-ish state as a, it's a dinner theater, um, a restaurant, and bed and breakfast. And dinner theater, I have not, I can't endorse, per se, but the meatloaf was very good. Um, was, was that their specialty? No, it was just something I wanted. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Do you order, you don't order meatloaf a lot? I mean, if, if they said it the was, Midwest, if they said it was like, oh, mm-hmm. we're known for a meatloaf, I'll, any place when they say we're known for this, I'll, I'll usually get that because I, who am I not to do that? Yeah. But then I don't like when they're like, the most popular thing is this. And you're like, that's not what I ask. Yeah. Um, but it was delicious. It was great. And you're sitting this beautifully, um, you know, managed, uh, picturesque kind of uh, dining hall with other people and other people who are staying there too. But the Lemp family, very interesting. So they began uh, with Johann Adam Lemp, who arrived in St. Louis from Eskwedge, Germany in 1838. He built a small grocery store and he sold common items. But the most popular item was their lager. 
and suddenly became really famous. Uh, it was handed down by his father, the recipe, uh, and it was so popular just two years later that he gave up grocery store and built a small brewery in 1840 at a point close to where the arch is today. So oh. got right into it. Lem first sold beer in a pub attached to the brewery, introducing St. Louis to its first lager. Um, before long, Lem found that the brewery was too small to handle both production and storage and found a limestone cave. They were all limestone caves south of the city limits. Um, so it's and the caves, too, still exist. And that cave specifically does. Uh, Lemp's Western Brewing Company continued to prosper and by the 1850s was one of the largest in the city. In 1858, the beer captured the first place in the annual St. Louis Fair. Uh, a millionaire by the time of his death, Adam Lemp died on August 25th, 1862, and his son, William, expanded the brewery. He purchased a five-block area around storage houses, around the house. like All of this stuff is really right there um, and still uh, exists in a lot of different incarnations. Um, a very old part of the city. Um, by the 1870s, the Lemp family symbolized both wealth and power as the Lemp Brewery controlled the St. Louis beer market, a position it maintained until Prohibition. In 1868, Jacob Feichert, William Lemp's father-in-law, built a house a short distance from the brewery. In 1876, William Lemp purchased it for his family, utilizing it as both a residence and auxiliary house. It was so impressive, Lemp immediately began renovating and expanding it. Um, into this Victorian show place that is now in the main house right now. And it, again, it looks very creepy. It's this white building. It's got the old Lemp signature on it. Um, it's very, that's my cat on plastic. Can they hear that? Oh, I, that no? wasn't, it wasn't Lemp uh, haunting us? That was Lemp. Lemp, L-E-M-P, yeah. L-E-M-P yeah. right? Yeah, like so Lamp, okay. but yeah. with an E. Um, so in the midst of the success, the Lemp family experienced the first of many tragedies when Frederick Lemp, William Sr.'s favorite son and heir apparent, died in 1901 at the age of 28. Frederick, who had never been in very good health at all, died of heart failure. The devastated William Lemp was never the same, began a slow withdrawal. He was rarely seen in public after his son's death. On January 1st, 1904, William's closest friend, Frederick Pabst, also died, like Pabst oh, Blue okay. Ribbon, right? heard of it. Leaving William indifferent to the details of running a brewery, he was totally checked out. Though he still arrived at the office each day, he was nervous and unsettled. His physical and mental health had begun to decline. On February 13, 1904, he shot himself in the head with a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson. That's going to be a theme. Oh, boy. <laughs> you excited? Yeah. Buckle up. Um, so in November 1904, William Jr. took over as the new president of the brewing company, inheriting the family business and a vast fortune. He and his wife Lillian began to spend the inheritance... They filled the house with servants. They spent huge amounts on carriages, clothing, and art. Now, Lillian was also really interesting. She was a beautiful woman who came from a wealthy family herself. She and William Lemp Jr. married in 1899, and William J. Lemp III was born on September 26, 1900. Before long, Lillian became known as the Lavender Lady, which is very creepy, because of her fondness for color. In addition to her lavender attire and accessories, she went so far as to have her carriage horses' harnesses dyed lavender, um, there's a lot of pictures of her in the mansion. It's just like long flowing Victorian lavender dresses. There's a picture of her in the mansion. She's in lavender and like it is a very creepy picture. Uh, in the be- in the beginning, William enjoyed showing off his trophy wife, but he was also a player. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Born with a silver spoon in his mouth, he was used to doing and acting how he pleased. So when William uh, began 
to tire of his beautiful wife, he demanded that she spend her time shopping. Mm, wow, well, listen, hey, listen, right? <laughs> I don't know. No. That doesn't sound so bad, right? Yeah. Um, he allotted her $1,000 a day and gave her an ultimatum that if she didn't that's spend like, it. That's like $800,000 in, oh for God. inflation. Just like take your lavender cab- carriage horses out and spend some money. Yeah. Not such a bad idea. So if she didn't spend it, she wouldn't get any more. So she had to she had to spend a thousand dollars a day. Do you know that's even in the movie Brewster's Millions, where uh, I, it's a uh, Richard Pryor. Uh, okay. He has to. He has. It's a thing where somebody he has to spend X amount of money, and if he does, he gets this amount of money, or you can oh. take the small amount of money. One oh. of my favorite kind of eighties yeah, movies. Yeah, like and Richard crazy Pryor's premise. Yeah. yeah, so it sounds a little bit like that. Yeah, but with lavender. Oh yeah, more, way more, more lavender. More lavender. So in the meantime, Will was busy running the brewery during the day and pursuing all kind of activities during the night. He held lavish parties in the caves below the mansion. How cool would that be? Very cool. He would bring in numerous prostitutes for entertainment of his friends. He enjoyed the swimming pool, the bowling alley, the free-flowing beer. His friends who attended these events were, you know, just, they hung out, they partied. Like, what a life. I don't know, like, the wife, you know, you shop for the day and then the store's closed, she, like... Hang out or like go to bed. I don't know. What did she say? Sell six dollars to spend. <laughs> like she's like, I can't come she's back. Like, yeah, somebody. What are you selling? Hot I dog? wish we were. You know what they could have Four done? Hot dogs. If, she, if if we were there, she could have gone to patreon.com slash ghost town pod oh. and contributed to our Patreon to get two bonus episodes a month. Nice and other stuff. In. Nice, right? Man, Jason's so good at this, and I'm so bad at <laughs> yeah. this. I'm good at marketing, and, and I'm, I'm bad good at nothing. Yeah, and I'm bad at the uh, substance. That's it. Substance? Yeah, I'm better no, at the substance. I'll stumble over pages yeah. of substance that I've copied from the internet. Thank okay. you very much. <laughs> <sighs> Will's shenanigans caught up with him when he had a son with a woman other than his wife. Yikes. Today, there's no official documentation that the boy existed. However, rumors that the boy was hidden in the mansion attic for his entire lifetime have been prevalent over the years. And I went to that attic. It's, it's also incredibly creepy and small, and there's no windows. Ugh. According to St. Louis historian Joe Gibbons, uh, when he interviewed a former nanny and a chauffeur who worked in the mansion long ago, both of them verified that the boy did exist and was housed in the attic quarters that also had the servants' rooms, which are now places that you can actually stay. Spawned from Will's philandering with either one, some prostitute or servant or who knows, he was also born with Down syndrome. Also very sad. Um, The family kept him in the attic, um, was ashamed of him, and they called him the monkey-faced boy. And the soul is supposed to uh, haunt the Lent Mansion. You know what? I would, too, if I were him. Yeah. You know? It's a very... Uh, pretty, pretty awful. You know what? Let's take a little break. Tiny, quick little break after we process that and come right back in. Is that good? Sure. All right. Hey, y'all. Trey Kennedy here letting you know you need to subscribe to my podcast, Correct Opinions, the first and only podcast show where every opinion is correct, in my opinion. I talk all things my crazy social media life, relevant topics, and why your sister's gin reveal only reveals that she's annoying. So tune in and hear my takes on all the extra things happening in our society today. Subscribe to Correct Opinions on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. All right, let's get back into it. You guys okay now? Yeah, no, I think we're good. Yeah, we're good. good. Listen... These people get their due, yeah. all right? You ready for it? I'm ready for it. So William Jr. tired of his trophy wife and filed for divorce in 1908. Uh, why she didn't make this like step with all of the things happening, I don't know. Um, so the court's proceedings surrounded the divorce became a huge St. Louis scandal with four St. Louis newspapers devoting extensive front page coverage to the affair. The trial opened in February 1909 to crowds that flocked to the courthouse every day to witness the drama of the violence, drunkenness, and cruelty. 
Uh, ignoring William's decadent activities, Lillian almost lost custody of William Lemp Jr. or William Lemp III. There's a lot of William Lemp's yeah. happening. So this is of the original guy, his grandson, because a photograph that was presented at the trial showed her smoking a cigarette. Jason. Oh, that's a gateway to. Did they she stone her? She almost lost her son. Did they stone her? <laughs> yeah. That's what they did, right? Oh no, she's gonna die. Don't yeah. worry. Okay, Don't great. Worry. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. In the end, she retained custody of their son, but uh, soon retired from the public eye. The only time that she was ever seen wearing anything other than lavender was on her final day of her divorce proceedings, which she appeared entirely in black. Ooh, How cool is this like saga? She's so, it's she's so very cool. cool. She's like, I want to make a statement. The theatrics are like... Lavender? Yeah. The servant's like, ma'am, lavender? And yeah. she's like, not today. Yeah. Not today. So this was just the beginning of shit, y'all. In 1906, nine of the largest breweries in St. Louis had combined to form the Independent Brewers Company, creating a fierce competi- competition from the Lemp Brewery. In the same year, William's mother died by can- cancer, uh, April 16th. I was My reflex was to say she shot herself in the head, but that's not. She didn't. She, di- she died of cancer, and that's uh, sad. You're keeping your tragedy straight here. Yeah, I'm okay. going to try uh, the brewery's fortunes were declining, and the Lent Mansion was entirely remodeled in 1911 and converted into offices for the brewery. At the same time, William allowed the company's equipment to deteriorate without any innovations, and by World War One, it was just like limping along, kind of an It was limping along. Oh, my God. I'm a stand-up comedian, everybody, and joke writer. Woo! Coming in hot. William soon built a country home on the Merrimack River, and he retired there in 1915 and married a second wife, Ellie Limburg, who was the widowed daughter of the late St. Louis brewer Casper uh, Kohler. Kohler Brewer. I don't know. That's another big brewer name. So all the brewers. Mar- it's it was very incestuous. Also, yeah, also very like uh, like royal families kind of a thing. You know, a lot of bloodline. Exactly. So prohibition 1919. The individual family members were already wealthy, so there wasn't like an incentive to keep the brewery afloat. For a time. William III hoped that Congress would repeal prohibition, but he finally just gave up and closed Lemp without notice. The workers learned of the closing when they came to work one day and found just the whole place locked up. (laughs) Dicks! These people are monster people. On March 20th, 1920, Elsa Lemp Wright, William's sister, the wealthiest heiress in St. Louis, shot herself just like her father had years before. She also shot herself in her bedroom. She uh, apparently was involved in a rocky marriage. It wasn't good. So you can stay in her room, and you can stay in the first lamp room, too. They're both in the mansion. So liquidating the assets of the plant and auctioning the buildings, William Jr. sold the famous Lemp Falstaff logo to brewer to another brewer for $29,000. Everything must go, you know? So it just became a fraction of its estimated worth of $7 million in the years before Prohibition, declining heavily. After the end of Lemp's brewing dynasty, William Jr. slipped into a depression. Acting much like his father, he became increasingly nervous and erratic, shunning public life, well, playboy, can't do it forever, and often complaining of ill health. On December 29, 1922, William shot himself in the heart with a 38 caliber revolver in the very same building that his father died 18 years before. And I'm talking about, like, the same, like, r- like, it's, like, in the same radius. Like, it's so yeah. close. Um, he took his life on the main level of the mansion, just inside the entrance to the left. You can stand there. At the time of his death, this room served as his office. He was interred in the family mausoleum um, in his crypt just above his sister, Elsa. This family, you know. Like, yeah, there's like, seems like there's no escape the water. from it. You yeah, know what I mean? exactly. William's brothers, Charles and Edward, had long ago left the family business. So with William Jr. gone, it seemed that it was t- time to kind of call it quits, like throw in the towel. 
Uh, Edwin had entered into a life of seclusion at his, his estate in Kirkwood, Missouri, which is not super far. Charles had never been involved in the brewery at all and was just a banker, just a normal banker with a normal life. No head shooting, no weird rituals. Skipped over him, I guess. Yeah. In 1943, yet another tragedy occurred when William Lemp III died of a heart attack at the age of 42. They're dropping like flies. So his brother eventually remodeled the mansion back into a residence and lived in the house along with two servants and the illegitimate child of his brother, William. So it's like, like, can you imagine that? Like, it's like one dude, two servants, and then like this child of your brother. Yeah. In this giant creepy house that many people have taken their life in. Yeah, I I imagine that's got to always kind of color your world, no matter how you're feeling. Exactly. Um, And like, who chooses that? Like, why don't we take that? child to a school or yeah. a place with sunlight yeah i don't know call me crazy um, but charles too became an odd figure as he grew older he had a morbid fear of germs his obsessive compulsive behavior included wearing gloves at all times to avoid bacteria and he was constantly washing his hands it was during that time that william's illegitimate child now in his 30s died at the mansion he was buried in the lump cemetery plot with only a small flat marker with the word limp on it um so shortly after his death, Charles became the fourth member of the Lemp family to commit suicide. First, he shot his beloved Doberman Pinscher in the basement of the mansion. He also never married. Like, it was just like him, his hand soap, and this dog. Um, there's a lot of really uh, sad pictures of them. Then, climbing the staircase to his room on the second floor, which you can also stay, you can stay there, he shot himself. Charles was divorced on May 10th, 19, uh, 1949, by one of his staff. Uh, oh, sorry, not divorced. Discovered um, by one of his staff still holding a 38 caliber a revolver in his right hand. Um, oh God, this is a sad episode. The dog was shot in the basement. But he like halfway went up the stairs. He was like trying to get back to his owner. Oh. I mean, is there just like no escape from this? <laughs> yeah. Of the Lemps, only led Edwin Lemp, who had long avoided the life that had turned so tragic for the rest of his family remained. He was known as a quiet, reclusive man who walked away from the Lemp brewery in 1913 to live a regular, peaceful life outside of, St. Louis. He passed away, get this, quietly, of natural causes in 1970. <laughs> According to Edwin's last wishes, his butler burned all of the paintings that the Lemp had, Lemps had collected throughout their lives, as well as priceless Lemp family documents and artifacts. So there's still some Lemp stuff there, but like he was like, burn it all down. It's like bad juju. Yeah, he's just okay. like, get rid of it. We hate it. Like, this is not how I want to remember my family. So these things, they just, van- like he just essentially took a bonfire to all of his family's things. And this is a very, very wealthy family with lots of nice things. So the line died out with him and his family's resting place, and it's now um, in a cemetery outside of St. Louis. Um, After the death of Charles Lemp, the mansion was sold and turned into a boarding house. Uh, The building began, began to deteriorate, and the haunting tales began. Residents complained of ghostly knocks and phantom footsteps being held throughout the house. As the story spread, tenants were hard to find uh, the boarding house, and it continued to decline. Um, people didn't want to go there. People didn't. It's like, out. yeah, it was just like not a good, not a good situation. In 1975, the old mansion was saved uh, when Dick Pointer and his family purchased it. They began to renovate the building, turning it into the restaurant inn and trying to restore it to its uh, to its state back in the early 1900s. Um, workers within, within the house that you have heard uh talk about strange sounds vanishing tools being watched uh, a lot of people would leave the job uh, as you heard the people were pretty like chill about it but since the restaurant opened 
There's several strange experiences. Uh, apparitions appear and then quickly vanish. Vo- voices and sound come from nowhere. Glasses often lift off the bar, flying through the air by themselves, which is as you have heard. So lights, things like that. There's a piano in there that people have said to have heard people playing on. Who? Ghosts? I don't know. Um, it's said to, of course, surprise, surprise, be haunted by several members of the Lem family. But there are three areas of the mansion that have the most activity. The stairway, the attic, and what the staff refers to as the gates of hell in the basement. Um, it's this area of the basement that used to be the entrance to the caves running below the mansion to the brewery and storage area. So the attic, as we said, is supposed to be haunted by William Jr.'s illegitimate son. Um, so he is there. There's, so there's occurrences there. Ghost investigators have often left toys in the middle of the room, drawing a circle around them to see if the objects have been removed. Uh, consistently, when they return the next day, the toys are found in another location. The women's restroom on the main floor, which is very weird. In fact, um, I took some video of it. It's They took this restroom from... Lem family went to Paris one time and they were like, we're going to make a restroom that's like a Parisian restroom in our house. So there's a shower that's in the middle of the room. There's a toilet with like a stall and there's all these like bathing basins. Anyway, it was the personal domain of William Lem Jr. um, And that is also supposed to be very haunted. Uh, And so the freestanding shower, women have reported a man peeking over the stall. Maybe it was lecherous William Lem Jr. We don't know. Uh, one time a woman emerged from the bathroom, returning to the bar and stated to the two men that she was there with, I hope you got an eyeful. However, the two men quickly denied ever having left the bar for which the bartender verified. The ghost is said to be that of, again, womanizing William Lemp Jr. Um, and then in William Lemp Sr.'s room, guests have often reported hearing someone running up the stairs and kicking at the door. When William killed himself, William Jr. was known to have run up the stairs to his father's room and finding it locked, began to kick the door in to get his father. Several years ago, a part-time tour guide reported hearing the sounds of horses outside of the room where William Lemp Sr. had kept his office. However, when the tour guide looked through the window, nothing was there. Um, the area north of the mansion is a parking lot, and it was used as a tethering lot for horses. Um, so the Lemp Mansion is 3322 D. M-E-N-I-L place, very close to the Mississippi, the mighty Mississippi. Mississippi. You can get there, um, you can dine there, you can stay there, and if you do, I'll give you an A. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Look at that callback. Woohoo! Comedy. You know, I wonder I wonder if in the same way these people are haunted, I wonder if the limps were also haunted by something, or they felt something Mental like that. illness? Which, I mean, sure. <laughs> but also, did they, at least in their minds, also uh, have like a sense of this, or did they create the haunting? Mm, or yeah. is it part of, were they just victims of it as well? Yeah. It's hard to know. Um, I find this extremely fascinating, um, yeah. especially when it's kind of dynastic. I think when it runs in families and there's like business involved and it's like crazy idi- idiosyncrasies. It's like how could every, like pretty, like almost no one survived. Yeah. I mean, no one did survive. I mean, is there, a, I mean. No, I there's, the, the line died out. The bloodline is over. Yeah. Um, so, and even at that, like there's, it, the, survive, the chances of survival are yeah. very slim. You will probably shoot yourself. Shooting yourself in the heart is yeah. crazy. I mean, just like, what? And these people also, like, they were huge in this community. Like they had everything. You know, like you, you think about people, it's like, oh, you know, people down in their luck or like whatever, or like trouble. But like this family, you're pretty close knit, a lot of success. And like, they just were unhappy, haunted. Yeah. 
I don't know. Wow. That's, uh, don't well, you know what? Here's the thing is, though, it's because uh, beer is a gateway drug. Oh. So that's why maybe, Rebecca. Yeah? Did that stop you from drinking beer? Yeah, but only, but not that. Not that. Oh, no, no. No, because I want that much martini instead. Oh, okay. So you, you went know? for that. Yeah, I said that. no to beer. Oh, okay. So I can have a bucket of Everclear. Oh, okay. So that's good. Well, we'll put, I want to put that, we're going to put that video on the Instagram, yeah. which is Ghost Town Pod. And, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, listen, we'll put pictures up. You'll mm-hmm. see, you're going to see this house and you're going to want to go there. Yeah. And visit I mean, my friends and yeah. their babies. And listen, I have this. Anyone who listens to this episode gets an A. How's that? What? 